0: Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitars, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. Oh, it feels good to be back, guys. Um, thank you very much for being so understanding um, and with the continued support here on the Seems Legit Podcast while I went. Uh, down to vegas for poker season i do appreciate the support and uh, thank you for standing by but we are back it's that time we're back from poker season so we are back uh full swing here in the seems legit podcast new episodes uh so let's get right into it want to thank all of our friends first and foremost for uh their cont- for their um support we've got uh vegas square as well i guess it has been a while when you start mumbling up your own thank yous. But yes, uh, thanks uh, to all our friends uh, of the uh, Seems Legit podcast. We've got the Vegas Squares podcast down in Vegas. Sports talk by sports fans for sports fans. We've got uh, Skin Dimensions Tattoo uh, here in Winnipeg, located on Corden Avenue, right beside Bar Italia. Please visit them for any piercing and tattooing needs you might have as i've always said bulk of my artwork has been done by them they're fantastic shop fantastic artists uh go uh, check them out if you're looking to get any um body art done uh we've also got selfix doctors located at 666 st james street please visit them for any cell phone tablet and screen repair needs you might have mention the seems legit podcast and receive 10 percent off and uh, last but not least, we've got Zero Gravity Games down in Fayetteville, Georgia. Please visit them for any user and vintage gaming needs you might have. Pop in, say hi to Ronnie Mac, tell them the dude signed he sent you. All right, we got through that. And I want to say thank you all um, to all of you uh, out there for co- the uh, continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. Really, it is uh, humbling, and I thank you all so much for that. And I thank you all so much for the uh, support uh, during poker season this year, the main grind of the year. Uh, It was uh, truly inspiring, and I thank you all so much for that, Uh, so thank you again. Uh, But I'm back now. Uh, Poker season is behind us for me. Uh, The main event of the World Series is still going on, so we can talk about that a little bit today, but kind of recap... Um, Just some things that have happened while I was gone. Uh, Not a full recap though of Poker Season. I'm going to save that for another episode. Um, I think that kind of um, deserves its own um, special episode so we can do that episode. That'll probably be the next episode up here. Let's just talk about some other stuff. Uh, first and foremost, uh, what is going on with those earthquakes in California? Very scary stuff there. Uh, actually on my last day in Vegas, we could actually feel the aftershocks in our hotel room. So it was quite terrifying, very scary stuff and yeah. So I, I mean, I was up on the 21st floor on my hotel and let me tell you when I, I when I was still in bed and I'm like, wait a second. Did, did the room just shake or do I have a migraine? What's going on right now? Uh, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't drink that much last night, so I shouldn't be hung over. What the fuck's going on that it happened again? And I was like, uh, maybe I need to get to the ground floor here as quickly as possible. Uh, but that was pretty scary stuff. Uh, my family was down there with me. I was, uh, My mom was actually, I think she said she was in the elevator when it happened, so that's kind of scary stuff. But, uh, nonetheless, uh, everybody's safe and okay on my end. Um, but it was scary. And then I think it was like the next day or two days later, there was, uh, another big earthquake, a 7.1 magnitude in California. And the aftershocks there were pretty crazy. I had friends of mine uh, down in Vegas were telling me that they could feel it, uh, through various parts of Vegas. They all live in different parts. So, I mean, that's some pretty scary stuff. I don't know what's happening there. Um... I mean, we all know about global warming and I mean, how badly we treat our planet. I don't think that needs to be harped anymore. But I think the biggest thing is that we really do need to be paying attention because we are starting to see a lot of the side effects. I mean, and it shows up in very weird ways. Vegas this summer was about to me felt about a good five to 10 degrees cooler than typically did that time of year. Now, that being said, we did get to some high, um, really hot days, but it seemed like it was cooler um, much later into the year and even when it did get out, we had those couple of days of blistering heat. But then after that, it was fairly tolerable heat. Maybe I've gotten used to it over the years, but even uh, my friends down there were saying, yeah, it's a pretty cool summer so far. So that was kind of interesting in itself. Uh, as I said, you know, the winters here in Winnipeg, we had the frigid winter um, that was awful. And then that very prolonged spring here up in Winnipeg. Uh, and I guess now you're seeing other things. I mean, natural disasters now seem to be happening more frequently. Uh, there's been forest fires, all of that, the hurricanes. And I mean, now these earthquakes in California, very scary stuff. So I'm hoping everybody finds safety. I'm hoping uh, the worst is behind us. Um, but uh much love uh to all of you uh out there in California. Uh please be careful and be safe out there. But yeah, it it is an alarming thing now as we're starting to see what scientists have been saying for years now, the side effects of uh treating our planet badly. And uh so, you know, hopefully this is a bit of a wake-up call, or maybe the wake-up call has been made. But nonetheless, as I said, um uh, much love to all of you out in California. And uh, please be safe and uh, take necessary um, safety precautions uh, during this. Uh, But that was the first thing. Um, The big thing, as I said, I was down there for uh, poker. I was down in Vegas for poker season uh, for almost 40 days this year. So, I mean, it was a tough grind. Uh, But this year I did uh, things a little differently. I don't want to get into a full recap of uh, poker season. I said I'll do another episode on that. But just wanted to talk a little bit about it Um, in terms of pacing myself this year, being disciplined. I felt this year more so than past years, or at least it's been a few years, uh, not chasing events, you know, not playing, you know, to try and, oh, well, now I want to redeem myself for this poor showing, whatever. No, uh, very much being able to put past events behind me and focus on the task at hand. Um, Sadly. Um, because I'm not playing as much live poker these days outside of tournament season, uh, I do find myself a little bit rusty at the beginning. Um, so that's why I try to get out a couple of days early, play some smaller events, uh, and get in the swing of things. And like anything, there's peaks and valleys to your performance and play. I mean, some days you're just tired. Some days it's not your day, but overall I found I was able to play a relatively consistent, very high level of poker. So I thank you all for the support. Um, and those of you that were following me on Insta- that are following me on Instagram at the dude Sunny D, I uh, thank you all for the support, well wishes. Uh, it really did get me through the season. Uh, but yeah, I think that di- it really kind of worked out this year. I mean, there are some days where there was debates as to what to play and whatnot. But as I've expanded the repertoire of games that I play and that I enjoy playing, it also kind of facilitates things and makes sometimes those decisions a little easier. If you're debating between five different no-limit hold'em tournaments. But you'd rather play something else and that other something else comes up i mean that decision kind of gets made for you which is really nice so i had a number of instances of that which was also good and in terms of taking days off uh when i was feeling a little burnt out or if i was feeling a little down on myself whatever it might be um taking that day to regroup or taking half a day whatever it was to regroup however that happened um was very important as well to kind of my mental health throughout the journey this summer. And being disciplined about going to the gym, I didn't want to let all the progress I've made um, on my kind of fitness and weight loss journey and getting back in shape journey. Um, I don't want to call it transferring or anything that's like, oh, this is a new life It's just re-getting back in those good habits of um, going to the gym all the time and uh, trying to be in uh, the best shape I can be. So I was hitting the gym uh, just about every day uh incorporating uh, getting my weight lifting in uh getting some uh the cardio in all of that uh was very 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 important and i found uh to be a huge help uh throughout the season um just keeping my mind fresh um, i talked about this with mitch calvert of mitch calvert fitness when he was on the show last time and he said there's a lot of research to show and back that up that you know that exercise time, that working out time, that getting in physical shape does have a positive impact on your mental um, health as well and your mental game. So I found that was very important as well. And it was just kind of nice to kind of get those frustrations, the whatever it might be from the day before, out of your system and then um, focus on the new task at hand. So that was really good. I think some of the only days I didn't quite make to the gym or I, I think I d- even did on a lot of those was when I had day twos of events. Uh, those day twos usually start an hour earlier than the day one did. So sometimes that could get in the way or, and I mean, if you're making it through day one, you're usually playing later into the night. By the time I'd get back to the hotel, get in bed, kind of wind down. So I, even those days, the workout wasn't um, necessarily as long, but it was still important to me to find that discipline to get into the gym uh, off whatever time it might be. Uh, and something even, to, you know, getting in, when I got back into town, had a busy, had a, a busy weekend, so a lot of that was finding time to to be active, to get um, those exercises in, uh, whether it be around the house, uh, doing yard work, whatever it might be, but just making sure that that activity level is there. It's Monday today, so I was back in the gym. Uh, I took up jogging again on the treadmill. Uh, I think it had been years, uh, not only since I had ever been jogging on a treadmill, but since I was actually able to kind of get through it and, and enjoy it. So I was very ha- I'm very happy about that. I rediscovered that down in Vegas. Um, That I'm finding that cardio shape is really starting to come back. So that's um, really important uh, to me as well. That was something I was prided myself on uh, when I was younger and a significantly more competitive athlete, uh, was um, with speak. That was all really um, very important to me. Uh Back then still is now so it's nice to be able to go on the treadmill and expand on that now get those consistent 25 minute runs in expand that incorporate with other forms of cardio. So that's been a, a huge help and uh, a really nice bonus kind of, of staying disciplined throughout poker seasons so that was a big thing. Also watching what I was eating. Uh, not so much in terms of being disciplined about, you know, only healthy food or quote unquote healthy food, but just making sure I wasn't getting into unhealthy habits uh, of starting to eat too much, um, eating too late, um, only eating junk food, things like that. That was, um, that was really important. I felt this summer into the process of just making sure, uh, that maintain those disciplined habits. Uh, Staying on top of those things. I mean, there were some nights where, man, you know, you walk by a place and you're like, fuck, I could go for a burger right now or whatever it was. No, I tried to be as disciplined about that as possible. And even kind of gearing my daily meals towards that was understanding how much I wanted to consume in that given day. Uh, Based on my playing schedule, if I was playing a bigger, um, larger field event, I knew I was going to be sitting for longer. So you have to plan for that as well. So all of those things were um, kind of really big components to this summer. And overall, again, I'm very happy for that. Very happy um, with the results. Um, and again, personally, poker-wise, all of that. So um, that's one big update there for you, everyone. Another big personal update would be that I cut my long hair. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, again, once again, at the uh, Dude Sunny D. Uh, you'll know I finally went back to the sunny D mohawk. Uh, uh, for those of you that know me, that was a big thing uh, in my 20s. Uh, I just I've always loved the mohawk kind of haircut, so I always kind of had to, so I did it my way, uh, which I really enjoy. I think it's it's kind of back to my old kind of signature look, and it's funny because now a lot of people just associate me with the long hair. They forgot that I used to always have my hair relatively short throughout my 20s. I wasn't, you know, once I got into my late teens and stuff, that was when I really started to cut my hair short. Other than that, never had it long like I just recently did, but always kept it fairly shaggy and long. But uh, once I'd cut my hair short, so went back to that. Um, the long hair had a good run. I don't uh, regret it, begrudge any of that. It just had a good run. I think it had expired. I think it was time for me to do something different with my hair. Uh, not only that, when you have long hair like that, especially in the summer again, it is hot. Hot, 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 hot. And, um, not only that, the maintenance on it, I mean, it adds an extra 45 minutes to an hour in my day. And I was quickly finding at the beginning of poker season this year that it was starting to affect uh, me personally. I was starting to really, you know, the hair was becoming a thing and, uh, you know, I got into my own head a little bit, but nonetheless cut the hair. I'm happy with it. just as happy with it. So that's another new, uh, personal update as well. So the long hair, but don't worry. I still, I still use all my hair care products. That doesn't change. It's not like, oh, because you your routine and your beauty and, and kind of self-care routine changes. No, 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 no. Just now I get to go uh, use a lot less of it. So that's um, rather nice. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, the me aspect. Been back now uh, since the weekend. Happy to be back in Winnipeg. Went out for a nice date uh, over the weekend with uh, the lovely Jess. Uh, so that was nice. Went to the Forks. Uh, They've really done it up nicely now. I'm really happy with what they've done in the forks. Like, I could spend my entire summer there. I'd even consider walking uh, because what they've done there is beautiful. Very nice. Very happy with it. Uh, Thought it was a really nice way of kind of cleaning up uh, the forks, making it a desirable place again. Pardon me for that kind of that that generation that I fall in, and actually there was people of all ages there, because there's things to do for all ages. So that was the really nice thing is it, it they were really ma- they really made it a nice summertime destination again. Uh, it wasn't just about the skating in the winter. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, so we had a nice date there, took it easy, and back in the full swing of things today. Uh, so yeah, that was that. Uh, there's uh, I can hear the thunder. I haven't seen any lightning yet, but we're expecting thunder showers here in Winnipeg. Uh, today and tomorrow, and I think rain continuing into Wednesday. Uh, Apparently, we need it. That's what they've been saying. Uh, There was some forest fires, from what I understand, in Ontario recently, so I'm really sorry to hear that. I think that's what I heard. It was Ontario. Uh, It's been very smoky in Winnipeg. Uh, It's been very heavy to breathe. Um, Pardon me. Very hazy, too, over the weekend, and... I guess that's the smoke blowing over from the forest fire. So I hope everybody there is okay and uh, that they've got that under control. Again, these natural disasters now, they're popping up all over the place. Uh, The earth does seem to be a lot drier lately in terms of just our overall precipitation. Uh, I know down in Vegas, it's dry. It's desert. Uh, And and that's one thing. That's why I'd done that episode before I went down about summer skincare routines and how important that is. When you're in an extreme climate like that, boy, do you um, really um are you thankful for having those routines having those good habits uh you know being you know knowing to put on the moisturizers uh, sunscreen all of that whatever it might be that you use and as i said it's not about breaking the bank it's not about how much money you spend it's about the process and using quality products that'll give you the results you need and want uh, so you know making sure to stay hydrated drinking lots of water but also keeping your body hydrated um, I was using a lot of body oil, a lot of tanning oil, uh, as we all know, all my facial products. Uh, but it was so important, right? Because that becomes so ingrained as a routine that you just know you have to do it, right? It's, it's like, as I said, making going to the gym in the mornings when I was there, part of that routine, right? I just have to do this. So I know I have to have time to do this. You're not making time for it. It just, you know, the time has to be there. Uh, so that's very important. Both day and night. Uh, you, you really come to understand it. Now, of course, we're back in the humidity of Winnipeg. Uh, but I think with all that haze, yeah, a good rain could do us some good. Uh, so that's kind of what's going on here. Um, but let's get into some sports because a lot of sports happened uh, while I was gone and some things I want to talk about there, uh, some interesting storylines, uh, things we can follow, things that will follow up on uh, future episodes. So let's get into that. Uh, as I said, this, re- this episode is, uh, you know, and I'm back. So let's uh, you know recap kind of all of it, uh, but yes, nonetheless, uh, big thing there in sports. Two champions uh, were crowned in the NBA and NHL respect, or one in each uh, respectively. The Toronto Raptors ended the Canadian uh, championship sports drought uh, for all the for the big uh, four major sports. Uh, the Raptors got it done, beating uh, the juggernaut uh, Golden State Warriors. Infamously, the Warriors did lose Kevin Durant. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, <clears throat> unbelievable player, uh, but unbelievable by everybody on the Raptors. You, know, you can't just say one person won in the championship. I mean, having Kawhi helped, and um, I think was a big piece of it, but they really brought it together this year, really proud of the Raptors. Uh, to see kind of the excitement that the country's having, and the thing is, I wasn't even in the country. So that was really cool, and people were always asking me, like, what's it like? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of down here, so I don't know what the excitement level's like up in Canada, but I was excited. Uh, I, I I thought they could get it done. I didn't know. And I, I don't know enough about basketball per se to make those predictions. I just go by what's happening uh, more. So analytical about it, you know, statistics uh, the players. I know what those players have accomplished and kind of make decisions that way. But I'm happy to see the Raptors were able to overcome golden state, uh, which kind of, I mean, was huge. We haven't won a Stanley cup in forever. We hadn't won a world series in forever and every year keep coming short, especially in hockey. I mean, it's really getting depressing, but nonetheless, we got a championship now. So that's awesome. Uh, And then the NHL, the uh, story of the season continued. The Cinderella run never actually ended and the St. Louis blues captured their first Stanley cup in franchise history. Uh, That's incredibly exciting. Uh, very happy for them, very excited for them, and uh, just the story of that, a team that was dead last uh, to begin kind of the 2019 portion of the season, comes back, is the best team in the league, and wins the cup, um, and the other side of that was that the second best team was the Bruins, I of course famously did think the Bruins were going to be a little bit too much, I thought... I was worried about what St. Louis might have in the gas tank by the time they got to the Bruins, which got to the play, um, cup relatively easily and unscathed. I think the only injury uh, was to 90-year-old Zdeno Chara. Uh, I think he's in his 40s now. But to uh, old man Chara. Other than that, they were relatively healthy the whole way through. Uh, they even had, I think, a 2-1 series lead. So, I mean, this uh, this this was a blown opportunity here by the Bruins. And again, we've talked about windows in sports. St. Louis kind of created a window this year and just walked right in and took what they felt was rightfully theirs. Uh, This was a core that kind of, I guess, got a little bit demolished over the last couple of years after disappointment after disappointment. I mean, they had a guy that was, what, the fourth or fifth guy on the goaltending depth chart take them to the cup. Ryan O'Reilly, who had openly said he was ready to give up hockey, After last season in Buffalo, then they pull off the trade to bring him to St. Louis, which I thought was weird, especially after letting Stasny go, Bacchus go, all these people go. But nonetheless, St. Louis turns around. and I mean, even at the beginning of the season, there was talk of them shopping Tarasenko around. So, I mean, they go from keeping all of that to winning the cup. Beautiful story. Uh, Conn Smythe Trophy uh, went to Ryan O'Reilly. I could have gone a number of ways on that. I think St. Louis really had three key guys. I thought Bennington was the front runner. <clears throat> I think if he hadn't had that one blowout game against uh, Boston, he very well would have won the Vesna Trophy. But I think it was his second or third time being pulled in these playoffs. Uh, plus the Ryan O'Reilly story. I mean, I would have given it to Binnington. I still thought Binnington was going to get it. Again, they went with Ryan O'Reilly. That's fine. A great choice there as well. Interestingly enough, with Boston, I don't know where it would have gone. Um, by the way, the playoffs were kind of winding up. I didn't know. And I think it would have gone... I think, truthfully, it would have gone to Marchand or to Karask. I think they really had pushed themselves past everybody in terms of the value to the team for that run. Uh, Marchand had a great season. Um, and, I mean... What can you say? I mean, you come within minutes of the cup. It's it's tough. But, yeah, Marchand had a great season. Uh, Tuka Rask had kind of a rebound season this year. Uh, again, I agree with that split in the goaltending situation there where, I mean, you have a 1A and a number two that's playing nearly 40% of the games. I like that. Um, the guy who is the guy will know they're the guy. But... I don't know that a, the guy needs to be worked that hard. You still have practice. You still have all these things. I don't know that you need to be breaking your back, playing 70-plus games a season anymore uh, in modern-day NHL. I just don't know if you can do it consistently year in and year out. The best example is Bobrovsky. Uh, every other year, he wins the Vesna, But, I mean, then those other years, you can tell he's tired. So... It's an interesting thing. We'll see how that plays out there uh, with Boston in terms of what they're going to do. They've had a window, though. I mean, and and I think for a lot of those guys, yeah, they kind of understand that we are maybe towards the end of this window here of success. Do you look to implode that team? Do you look to move pieces and start a rebuild early? I don't know. Uh, I think they've been spoiled By having such success for so long now. I mean, third Stanley Cup in the decade, uh, appearance in the decade. You know, you have to start to wonder. A lot of these guys are getting up there in age. Rask is getting up there now. Marchand, uh, Bergeron, uh, Chara. All of these guys, they're not young kids anymore. Backus is old. You know, you have to start to wonder. Do you start moving pieces, starting the rebuild early, staying on top of it? You know, you take a step back one year to take two steps forward the next. I don't know. But it's tough with Boston because every year they're consistently up there. They're consistently getting to the second and third rounds. It's tough. It's really tough decision to make uh, with Boston as to what to do because, I mean, an implosion could even be a premature one. They could be in the same spot next year again. So it's really tough to decide. And, I mean, the interesting thing for other players looking at the Bruins and kind of circling around them like vultures is when are they going to finally kind of make that decision? Or when is time going to um, catch up to them? It's caught up with Pittsburgh a couple of times. uh, And I mean, they got rid of Phil Kessel now. I I think that was the obvious one. Uh, But they have some money issues there, so they're going to have to move some players. And again, part of that is understanding when is it time to rebuild. Getting those middle-round draft picks is not desirable year in and year out. So do you start moving for other people's high-end picks? What do you do? Um, And I think Pittsburgh is one of those teams you're going to see them slowly rebuild that team um, over the course of the summer and into next season. I don't think you're moving um, the big three there, Murray, Malkin, and Crosby anytime soon. Again, you never know, though, as part of rebuilds. But with Boston, though, they're more... I think they're more inclined to part ways with bigger names. And I think that's where it's going to get interesting is when they decide to make that decision that, okay, we're in rebuild mode, those vultures, they're going to come a-circling. And it'll just be interesting to see how that plays out uh, for the Big Bad Bruins and where some of those players go. I mean, it's funny with Brad Marchand because he's... The commentary on him is often... Pardon me, my throat's quite dry today. But... You don't want to play against him, but you sure as hell want him on your team. And I mean, I think that's a big part of it. I don't know how many people he's crossed the line with that wouldn't want him as teammates, but you never know. And I knew that growing up, that was a big thing. You know, you you go to school with people that you're on the same team with. You play against people you go to school with, you know, as you get older and move through higher ranks of hockey through different things. Yeah. You, you know, you're going to play with people you've had to play against before it happens, and you kind of have to learn it's part of the game. You can't really hold that kind of animosity. And, and again, lines do get crossed. But for the most part, if it's just in the game, you kind of learn to put past And you kind of learn respect for other players, too. You do learn that. Uh, and one of the things I always took pride in as a goalie growing up was that making that other team respect me. I mean, they would have hated to play against me. And because uh, there was, as I said, there was a time. There was a time. And... Yeah, playing against me was not desirable. You know, I was going to make you work. If you're going to beat my team, you're going to have to work for it. I could—I was going to steal every game if I could. Um, I hated getting scored on, even in practice, even, you know, in goaltending coaching. I hated it. Summer camp, I hated being scored on. That was always my thing. I always carried a chip on my shoulder that, you know, I'm not the tallest guy, whatever it might be. You know, I'm not the most conventional goalie, but I'm going to keep the puck out at all costs. And it was part of learning that respect. Then you also learned... And as the goal, you learned how to respect the other players. You saw who were the dynamic offensive players. You saw who those distraction players were and The ones that were so good that knew how to kind of hide in plain sight. Be like, we're just... I'm just going to hang here and get the opportunities. You know, great defensemen. Players that you saw, how they played on the other teams, played on your teams. And you're like, fuck, I don't want to have to play against them ever. It happens, right? And I mean, even as you got older, you know, you played for one team one year. You're playing for another team the next... Yeah, you shake hands at the end of the game. It sucks, because especially when you know some of those other guys were really good, you're like, fuck, this is not going to be fun today. But you got to do your job, right? It'll just be interesting to see how that plays out um, with Boston. I don't think St. Louis is going to rebuild too much. There's no real need. Uh, They might try to add some pieces, but we'll see. But this kind of now brings us into the next topic of hockey for the day, and that's that free agency started. Um, And as I suspected, there were teams that played out and ended up being huge losers uh, come free agency and other teams that ended up being big winners, not only in free agency, but kind of how the season played out and the trade deadline. Uh, I don't know how many times if I really want to keep beating down on them, but those poor Columbus Blue Jackets, that's what's, you know, they they showed it was an all or nothing. I think they've lost everyone. I think the only person that might be left is Ryan Dezingle, and I don't think he's staying. Uh, But. Columbus, what do you do? I mean, they're in full rebuild mode. Yarmo kick a line and you know, basically gave away the barn to try and make a playoff run that lasted one round. I think it would have, to truly have, what they made, the moves they made to have made it a success, in my opinion, in Columbus, they needed a cup final. They needed at least a third round, if not a cup final. To make it out of a round and start celebrating that is that idea of mediocrity. Um, and I can. And I I just, I don't know, because again, it's that lowering of your own bar and lowering of the overall bar, you know? And it's kind of like when you play in poker tournaments, the big controversy there is the min cash thing. Min cash versus winning big. I'm a fan of trying to win the the whole tournament. I don't like to play for min caches. Some players have arguments against it or against, I mean, against what I say and are for the min cash. They say, Hey, if you're consistently min cashing, at least you're profitable. I get that. I do get that, but it is hard to earn a living on min caches at certain stakes um, of those large field events. Uh, not only that, uh, the min cash is only worth one and a half times your buy-in. So you're getting to your buy-in back plus half. I don't know, especially, and I think people are getting tricked into that with some of those lower buy-in events the World Series this year, where a min cash on a $500 buy-in event is only 700 dollars And you're having to survive, what, two days to do that? That's $200. There's easier ways in poker to make $200. Uh, and that's kind of my thing is that there's that there's that actual prize and then there's the compensation part. That's kind of the business mind of me, the university uh, mind of mine of, I need to be fucking compensated for my time. I don't know that 14 hours grinding away here was only worth $200 or $300, whatever it might be. Now, of course, as so you raise the stakes in the in those events yes, the min cash tech is worth more numerically percentage wise. It's still the exact same amount. And again, you're shelling out more money. You're laying out more risk. Are there better ways to lay out that same amount of risk or that same amount of capital in poker and make more money? I would argue. Yes. But uh, that's for another episode of the podcast. Uh don't need to get uh, too far into that, but Again, it's like it's in hockey. All You're putting all in for a min cash. I don't think Columbus came out any better off by by winning one round. Yeah, it was a story. Yeah, they made everybody else's road um, that much easier. But again, all of that celebration, all of that for one round, I don't know. Uh, but again, congratulations to them. They made it through. They swept. They looked good. I actually thought they could even get through the second round. Again, Bruins started at that point to really look like uh, they were going to be too bi- uh, too much for everybody. But again, St. Louis proved us wrong. But yeah, they were a big loser. Another big loser, in my opinion, were my beloved Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they lost their big acquisition last summer in uh, Paul Stasny. They traded away a lot to get Paul Stasny. This year, they traded away a lot to get Kevin Haynes, who got way overpaid. I think he's in um, Philadelphia now, uh, who I think... I mean, I, he was a great player when he was here. I think, what, 8-point-something a year? I don't I don't know if he's an 8-point-something-a-year player. Um, but if he is making 8-point-something a year, good for him. Bless his heart. And fuck yeah. But, I mean, good on him for, for getting his done. Uh, but I don't know if I could justify that. And the Jets sure as hell couldn't. So that's why they had to let him walk. But again, first-round picks for players that are walking. Uh, they also didn't make any of the big trades uh, at the trade deadline. Kevin Hayes is the big acquisition in a market that included the likes of Dezingle, Duchesne, Mark Stone, uh, Wayne Simmons. Uh, you know, where, what what was going on there, boys? Uh, you know, even the Maple Leafs were shopping players. Uh, you know, Kapanen, all of these guys. You get a guy to rent him and, and lose in the first round. I just don't know. Like, again, it was. I think they ended up being one of the losers on the trade deadline. And now in free agency, they didn't pick up anybody. They lost Brandon Tan, uh, at least that I know of. Uh, they lost Brandon Tanev to free agency. They lost Jacob Truba. They traded Truba. And uh, they lost um, the big guy, um, Tyler Myers. So, I mean. Where are they going? I mean, they're still taught that they still need to let you lose other players. I don't know if they've lost Perot yet, but I mean, trade him at this point. Patrick Liney isn't signed. Kyle Connor, I don't know if he got signed yet. I mean, they've got a fucking mess. Today. Oh, but we kept Laurent Brassois as our backup, uh, which I mean produces some interesting things there in Winnipeg as well uh, with the Moose, uh, with Mikhail Burden and Eric Comrie down in that net. I don't know how much longer Eric Comrie is your number one guy and permanently third on the depth chart. I don't know how much longer he wants it. I'd take it. If they need a goalie, I'm their guy. I am the guy, Manitoba Moose. I'm throwing that out there. If you just need a goalie, I'll go in there. I'm ready to do it. I will never, ever complain. I will just go do my work and uh, be the goalie for you guys. Of course, I expect to be paid well for that. Uh, But no, you don't need to send me up to the NHL. That's fine. I'm just happy to be in the A um, playing at home. Uh, But yes, that's a big thing there. Uh, Seeing that day in and day out, uh, that's a struggle there. I mean, Eric Comrie, I think, I've said it for a couple years now, I think has reached his peak in terms of ability um, and trade value. And I think if you're going to... All hockey players at a certain point are a depreciating asset. You want to try and get them at maximum value or trade them at their maximum value to get something you could use back in return. Jets, I mean, we're going to lose a lot of players this year. That was well decided. Um, because they weren't going to be able to pay maximum dollars for anybody. Uh, Jacob Truble was the interesting one, because apparently him and Sheveldayoff had come to the understanding that he was, gonna, he was not going to commit long-term. Apparently, it's something with his girlfriend, and she wants to study medicine or is studying medicine in the States and, of course, has a greater opportunity to succeed down in the States. I get that. Uh, if that's his reasoning. Um, but he had also held out to get a huge deal last time he was a restricted free agent. Maybe again, it was just he was done in Winnipeg. Um, and I think he's been done in Winnipeg for a little while now. Uh, but if we can get Kyle Connor done, Patrick Liney is an interesting story down year in production this year, big time. And it was interesting. I was watching Leafs Lunch a couple of months ago, and that's where I saw this really interesting little talk or tidbit that, um, Gord LeClaire, is that? No, not Gord LeClaire. Um, oh, what's his name? Gordon Miller, Gordon Miller on TSN. Uh, Gord Leclerc is the one on CTV here in Winnipeg. Uh, Gordon Miller said this about Patrick Lyon last season. Patrick Lyon scored all 30 of his goals across 19 games. So there's only 19 games last year in which he scored. Meaning 63 of those games he was not scoring goals. Furthermore, 17 of his goals, so over half, came in the month of November. and That's when he blew away and everybody's like, oh my god, he's got on this ridiculous pace right now. Hina then scored 13 goals for the remainder of the year. So I think he got off to a slow start in October. December, January, February, March. Five months, and I guess April too, there's some regular season. Five, six months, he scores 13 goals. That's roughly two goals a month. Um, Yeah, we all know he can be streaky. But when he's streaky and scoring 44 goals, or 46 goals, or 45 goals, those 15 goals do add up. Uh, and they do add up over the course of a season, especially for the Jets, who had this, the division essentially wrapped up and managed to blow it. You're going to need a lot more out of Patrick Liney before you're offering him top dollar, in my opinion. With all the loss the Jets have taken, I don't know where they go from here. I've always said I felt Kyle Connor was the overall better, more valuable player than Patrick Line. Patrick Laine is a generational shot. I mean, he is a sniper. That's what he does. Patrick Line has some things to work on. We all can document that. He needs to get stronger on the puck. He needs to be able to do more when he doesn't have the puck. Um, he proved to be a good setup man for a while there. But his skating needs to get much better. Way better. Uh, we all know that. I think we can all admit that. I think Patrick Laine can probably admit that. His skating does need to get better, smoother, stronger. All of that. Um, likable guy. I'm not say I, I don't hate him by any means. I just think when you're running a team and we're looking at the aspect of the team here and the business of the team, can you get him at a bridge? Can you get him at five five? Can you get him at five years? Five years at uh, five million a piece? I would like that. I don't think you're getting him at four. I don't think you're getting him at four. I don't think you're getting. I don't think you're having to pay him eight. Thing is, this with other uh, guys moving like the the Trubas and all of that, um, you do have a lot of restricted free agents that are going to garner some offer sheets. Sebastian Aho was the latest one, and then Carolina did decide to match it, uh, so he's not going to Montreal. Uh, Montreal lost out big there, uh, but you still have Mitch Martyr in Toronto. You still have um, oh god. The other guy on the Landeskog and McKinnon line in Colorado. I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Uh, you also have um, Patrick Liney now. Who's in that conversation? Because I think, yeah, the Leafs did get Casper, uh, Kapanen and Jansen or Johansson, whatever his name is, signed down. Jets have got some interesting dilemmas. Either you get those guys fucking signed in good terms. I think Kyle Connor's going to get six. If he hasn't already signed, I should have looked that up today. Assuming Kyle Connor hasn't signed, I can see him getting six, six and a half. Uh, I think he is worth. I think he is. I think you'll see within the next year he is going to emerge as our as our best player. Uh, he needs a little more size on him. And um, that's, I think, where, uh, where uh, Mark Shifley, I mean, Mark Scheifele is a hell of a player and has really blossomed into one of the elite players in the NHL, uh, playmaking everything. Mark Scheifele is a hell of a player and really proved himself there. Uh, but you're really going to see, I think, uh, Kyle Conner take even another step forward this year and really push um, Shifley, which will be a healthy competition between the two. Uh, and I think it's good for the game and good for the Jets in that sense. But they need to get those two fucking signed up. Um, and then now you need, And then you need to make a goalie decision. Can we move? I think of all of them, the one you're moving is Comrie. Um, I've loved watching him play. Nothing against the kid. I think his time here in terms of the business of the Jets and Manitoba Moose has come to an end. Uh, And I think, yeah, moving Comrie while he still has um, some peak value left, I think isn't the worst thing in the world. It gives Mikhail Burden a chance to step in, be the number one there, because I think he's the next up. I think by midway through this season, if Brassois is struggling or if Hellebuck's struggling, uh, you're going to see Burden get the call-up. I think by next year for sure, so the 2020-2021 season, uh, Mikhail Burden is your goalie for the uh, or is the backup, at least in Winnipeg, if not traded in as a starter somewhere else. Uh, he has an, a real ability to steal games. He can be a world-beater in some games, though, and he needs to work on his consistency because when he's bad, he's bad. And uh, that's the only th- cut up on him, but you're gonna see you need to see that. But yeah, you've seen a lot of other teams though in the West uh, make up ground and, and extend their ground on the Jets. Uh, you uh, Vegas didn't really lose Mar. I think they lost Belmar. that was the big one they lost. Again, with the top line that they have, I think there's certain players that have to go. They've kept Carlson, they kept Marshes so. Uh, they kept Reeves, they kept the big three up front. I mean, I, I, I'd i like to see them add some pieces. Um, I'm a, I like Malcolm Subban uh, from what I see him as a person. I think his development as a goalie might have stagnated a little bit too, and I don't think he's ready to be the number one goalie in Vegas. I think Vegas needs him to step up and start taking over some 1B kind of obligations from Marc-Andre Fleury because uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is getting up there now in age as well. But... Um, you're going to, because I don't know how many years you have Flurry at that level anymore. Uh, he already got the big injury last year. I don't know how many years you have Flurry at that level, um, consistently at that level uh, moving forward. And I think that's why you need Suban. Or again, maybe they make trade partners with the Jets and try and acquire Burdine. I think the Jets will ask a pretty steep price, though. Uh, but again, I mean, Air Comrie would be a fit there. But yeah, you've seen some other big uh, free agent moves. Uh, Duchesne is now a national predator. That's a huge move there for Nashville, bolstering their offense um, there. Uh, The other side of it, though, is they did uh, trade away uh, P.K. Subban. And I read an article about David Poyle and how they feel like he might be falling apart a little bit there in Nashville and whatnot. It's kind of what they did before, move a defenseman to bring in a forward. Their defensive core is so deep. I think they have so much belief still in um, Pecorine and UC Saros as his backup. That they know they need to take some steps offensively uh, to to move forward. I still like Nashville. I still think they kind of are the bar to be measured by in the Central Division. Uh, And don't keep me wrong. Poyle's easily able to make a move if he feels he needs to at all. Uh, So that'll be interesting there. Uh, Pavelski left the Sharks. Uh, I think that leaves a bit of a void there for San Jose. I think he's in Dallas now with Corey Perry, who recently joined there. uh, After being bought out by Anaheim. Anaheim's a team in desperate need of a rebuild. Uh, either you implode or you build around that core. Again, they probably have the best goalie in the game, in my opinion, John Gibson. Uh, that guy is unreal. We'll see what happens there. But San Jose um, letting go of Pavelski is going to be interesting. Uh, Joe Thornton uh, re-signed as well, I believe. I think Patrick Marlowe might have signed back in San Jose or is expected to. Um, But the big ones still to watch in my – oh, and then we have the two big ones, uh, Bobrovsky and uh, Panarin, uh, who I thought might actually both go to Florida. And I was actually going to bet uh, Florida to win the cup this year the night before the deadline um, or before free agency started, but I didn't. And kind of almost thankfully I didn't. Uh, If they gotten both Panarin and Bobrovsky, which is what I thought was going to happen, plus Quenville, I thought they had a real shot. Uh, I think with Bobrovsky being the only one that went to Florida, I I don't know that they're that much leaps and bounds better than all the other teams in the East anymore. I think they now contend. I think they take a push. I think it was sad to see Bobby Lou retire, but, I mean, the guy's been around for forever. He was around when I was still in elementary school. Like, if that puts Bobby Lou into perspective for you. Uh, He was playing when I was in elementary school, if not middle school. At least elementary school. I think, way well, yeah, I was still elementary school. I think it was like sixth grade or something like that. That he was, uh, he got silver in the World Juniors uh, when it was held here in Winnipeg. But yeah, Bobby Lou, he's been the guy. Oh yeah, he played for Florida. He was already playing for Florida when I was in the eighth grade. By the time I was in the eighth grade, he was already in Florida. And plus he had uh, played for the Islanders before that. So yeah, there you go. Cause the game I saw... When we went on our trip in the 8th grade, it was the Montreal Canadiens versus the Florida Panthers. Pavel Burris scored two goals in that game. And uh, Roberto Luongo made an unreal save to preserve the tie in overtime. So that was pretty cool. So yeah, he's been around since I was in elementary school. Um, Hell of a career. I think goes down as the best goalie to never win the Cup. And, uh, And then the argument becomes, is that enough to not put him in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. I think we can discuss that in another episode, but it's something to think about Bobby Lou hall of fame. I don't know. would love to hear what you think about it on Instagram. Let me know, reach out at the dude, sunny D but nonetheless. Yeah. So there's been some, so Bobrovsky now in Florida gives them a bit, uh, it gives them a younger goalie for sure. And I mean, if they'd gotten Panarin with what they already had. Yeah. I like Florida's chance, especially under coach Q, but they didn't Panarin went to the Rangers uh, so again, maybe the Rangers aren't ready to just throw in the towel just yet. Uh, maybe King Henrik thinks he has another couple of year run in him. So we'll see. I don't know who the Rangers have per se and, uh, on their depth chart in goal. So that'll be something for me to follow this season and look up going into the season. as How kind of reliant are they on Henrik Lundqvist? I know by as of right now, he is their guy. And I mean, their success does kind of depend on on King Henrik. I just don't know how far that extends. Uh, But it will be interesting to see. Henrik's getting up there in age too. So it will be interesting to see how much longer he has left. But I think bringing in Panarin shows that they're committed to him. I don't see them now trading Lunkvist. I think he's made it clear he wants to stay a Ranger. Why not? Uh, But we'll see how that plays out. He is the sharpest dressed man in hockey. That's for sure. Uh, Probably the most stylish hockey player ever. Uh, I do give him the edge over P.K. Subban. Uh, but, and maybe I'm just partial because I was a goalie. But nonetheless, uh, stylish guy, and he's staying in the isle- uh, in uh, New York. I, can- I think that was a good move. Uh, Robin Leonard, I believe, left uh, the – what's oh, yeah. Yeah, didn't he sign with – I think he signed with Chicago on a one-year deal. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, very interesting stories, things for us to talk about over the coming weeks here on the Seems Legit podcast. That was a big thing, kind of monitoring, seeing what's happening going on there. Uh, a couple of other big shout outs in sports uh, right now is the U.S. women's national team winning their second consecutive uh, Women's World Cup, uh, basically dominating it the whole way through. Uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations to Megan Rapino for winning the Golden Boot. Uh, for coming along and just like taking over being the face of the entire tournament. And not only that for putting FIFA on blast about the equality and treatment of women's professional sports. Uh, and she brought up some great thing. And that's something to talk about again in a whole nother episode, but good on her for putting them on blast. Um, it would be nice to really see women's sports getting the coverage and attention. It does deserve, uh, especially in these others in these sports that are very male dominated Uh, that women do compete in at the highest levels and at the highest international levels, like women's hockey. I know growing up, uh, I had a a camp instructor at one of my hockey camps who did play for the women's national team and was an Olympic gold medalist, but she talked about the struggle financially, right? So a lot of these girls back then, and I think even up until recently, probably still now, work, you know, second jobs. They don't get to be an athlete as their career. It's almost as if it's their pastime or... Their other thing they do. Oh, by the way, did you know she plays on uh, on the Olympic team? And that's kind of sad because I mean, especially now. Don't get me wrong; that was up and that was with the NHL thing. Now all athletes, I hope they all get the things they deserve, especially now that the men's national team is not represented by NHL players. But knowing that that was the struggle for so long and that a lot of them have come forward and, and are really taking uh, standing their ground on this. I'm really happy for that. It would be really nice to see these amateur athletes get this opportunity, get the funding, get all of that, that gives them the chance to compete at their best and focus on their task. Cause it is their job, right? That is their job. And I mean, you look at things like curling now, curling's finally starting to get, I think what it deserves in terms of sponsorships and money and all of that and allowing the athletes to do that as their primary living this is what I do um uh, not oh hey it's me and I happen to be on the curling team right all these sports now are starting to get coverage uh, which is really nice um I'm a big fan of sports of course but it's just nice to see that and I'm very proud of Megan rapino to stand uh to put fiFA on blast there and just kind of tell it the way it is so good for her. Good for the women's national team uh, for repeating as World Cup champions. Alex Morgan, also big shout-out to her. She actually tied Rapino with goals and assists. Uh, the tiebreaker was just uh, who did it in less time, and that's where Rapino won the tiebreaker. But other than that, fucking A to those girls. Uh, congratulations. Big shout-out to them. Uh, also want to say a big thank you to, again, once again to all of you uh, for the kind of support uh, during poker season this year. Really do appreciate it. Uh, it means the world to me. Uh, so we're back now here on the Simpsons Podcast. We'll be back full time. Uh, Try and get you guys at least one episode a day. uh, Bring back Whiskey Wednesdays. I know I've I've delayed that bring back for a long time now, but we've already actually recorded some episodes. So we're ready to go there again on Whiskey Wednesdays. So bringing those back, uh, bringing on more new interesting guests on the show. uh, Maybe I can finally convince Jess to come on the show. But anyway, I thank you all so much again for the continuing growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. Really, it means the world to me. I think we can leave off the episode there uh we've we've had a good talk today um and thank you uh much love to all of you really truly um much so much love to all of you uh for the support here on the Seems legit podcast if you aren't already doing so please follow me on both twitter and instagram at the dude sunny d once again thank you for tuning in this episode take care and bye-bye for now